Dear Father in heaven, it is a joy to be here. Our hearts are full, not because of what man can do or necessarily even because we see our loved ones, though that is very encouraging, but we know the promise, the special promise of thou being in the midst of thy people, those that call upon thy name, those that acknowledge their dependence upon thee and, and desire to cling to this word, thou wilt be there, thou wilt be here in a special way. Dear Father, that is such a source of comfort to us in a world that is changing rapidly, that has changed so much and yet is still the same as it was 2,000 years ago when thou didst walk the, the earth. Dear Father, and the need for truth and the need for love, the need for clarity is, is still as great as ever. So dear Father, as we would open this word, we would pray for that. We would pray for grace and for truth, for clarity to reign in our hearts this hour. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. For this morning's meditation, I'd like to turn to the first epistle of John, 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother 
abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. I've read to the end of the chapter. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's bow down and worship the Lord together. Heavenly Father, it is good to come into your presence. It's good to be together as your body. It is good to be under your word, as under the rod of a loving shepherd. Father, we pray this morning that you would be able to purge from us all that dulls us to your hearing. To, to hearing your word, to obedience. Father, we pray that we could indeed have the vision, as we heard this past week, to, of, of unfiltered, uncluttered, Lord, by the many narratives of this world, but rather we can see through the lens of Scripture, through the person of Jesus Christ, and Lord, as we have read this morning through eyes of love. Father, we confess how easy it is to retreat to our own selfish comfort and to avoid loving those around us, in the body, in this world, knowing how much potential hurt there is. But we're so thankful for the love that we have received, that in your perfect foreknowledge you knew how we would reject and hurt, and you loved us anyways. Father, we pray that we could rise up and allow your spirit to change us in the inside out, that we could love like you loved. We could love the brethren, that this could be a city on a hill that would be different than all the places around that, that talk a good game, that say words of compassion while manipulating for power and position. Lord, that this would be a place 
where sacrificial love is seen and experienced. Lord, begin in, in my heart, begin in each one of our hearts. Father, you know the many who are unable to be here, those who are wrestling with illness and old age and in pain. Father, you know those who are facing medical challenges, Lord, we think of those both young and old, and we pray for your intervention in them. We praise you for your work in the hearts of those who, have been, who are spiritually sick, and we pray, Lord, for healing there too. We pray that your word would not return to you without accomplishing its purpose, and Lord, that there could be a humbling, a confession, a submission, and a transformation. Speak through our brother, speak to his own needs, encourage him and use him mightily. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before you sit down for a meal, you need to be hungry. You need to be ready to eat. Are we hungry this morning for God's word? Are we recognizing of our own needs? And as I look back over this past week and my own state of mind where I'm at, I do desperately need this word. I live in a world, we all live in a world that is opposed to God, that, that really is against everything that we stand for. We all live in a body that, as we've heard so many times, did not convert, that is still of the flesh and still has its desires and still wants to do what it wants to do and, and needs to be crucified. We all, sadly, so much of the time, live in a mindset of just focusing on ourselves. On, on what our needs are, what our desires are, what we need to fulfill for ourselves uh, in the day. And this word that we've read this morning, I think, addresses all those things. It addresses the world that, that despises, that derides the message of the cross. In, the, in, the, in this message of love, the first part of the chapter that we read, and then in the second part of the chapter talks about sin and our, uh, the black and white nature of sin, that sin wants to confuse things, it wants to muddy the water, uh, wants to confuse our minds about what sin is and what isn't and how much sin is acceptable and how much isn't, but God's word is black and white clear. And then the last part about loving each other, that goes to my focus on myself and that it really not ought to be on myself. So I, I think this morning it's a simple word and a simple message in three areas on the nature of God's love to us that is totally different than the message we hear in the world. The nature of sin within ourselves and the love that we ought to have to each other. So with God's help I'd like to look at each of those three areas here. Behold is the first word that we read here in this chapter. Behold means look at, study, just take in what manner of love. Behold what manner 
of love, the type of love, the nature of it, the, the, the characteristics of it that God has bestowed upon us, that he's given to us, he's just poured out on us, that we didn't earn or didn't uh, try to, to gain his favor. He bestowed it on us that we should be called the sons of God. You know, there, there's one type of love, quote-unquote, that maybe it's okay, I'll send money overseas uh, uh, for a good work, I'll, I'll, I'll do this good thing and then I'm done with it, or there's a certain amount of distance between me and it. Um, I've done my, I'm, I'm displaying love, I'm pouring out love, and God could very well have done that to us. He is up in heaven, he's distant from us, he could have maybe in some way saved us and then be done with us. But no, there's another type of love that embraces, that welcomes, that, that brings you in to the family. It's not just overseas, it's not just some charity I'm dispensing, but I'm actually opening up my home to you. Not only that, I'm opening up my family to you. Not only that, I've, I've given you my name. You are now my sons and daughters. That's the, the nature and the manner of the love that God has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And the world doesn't understand that type of love. Um, it understands a certain type of love, uh, maybe in some sense a transactional love, a love that, that if I give you something, you'll give me something else, or we're in a certain type of relationship where things are expected of you and of me, and uh, you know we'll, we'll get on that way. But the type of love that God has bestowed upon us, that's totally different. It's a, a, an otherworldly love, a, a type of the world that does not understand. It doesn't know us because of it, because it doesn't know really God and his true nature. Not only that, this type of love is, is to be enjoyed in the present and, and to be marveled at and to be looked at and to be wondered at. But there is something better coming. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. This love is, only grows. It only gets better. It only, as we behold it, as we understand it more, as we give ourselves to it more, it gets better and better. And, and you see the result of this verse 3, that, that it, it results in a purification, a, a, uh, um, a hope that leads us on and makes us more like the one that we will one day see completely in, in all his glory when he shall appear. And at that moment, we are going to be like him completely. We're going to be, um, we'll see him as he is and we will be sons and daughters in the truest sense. We are his sons and daughters now, but there is something future coming and some full bestowment when the king comes in his glory. Then the children of the king, that's really when they understand and see the full, the weight and import of what they've inherited. And don't you and I need to be reminded of that? Those of us that have believed on his name. So that's, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about a general kind of, we're all the children of God in some sense. No, we're talking about the specific sons and daughters, those that have believed on his name, as John 1 says. To them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. That's the type of sonship that we need to, to revel in, that needs to be a, a source of a, a wellspring. You know, the other things we're going to preach about and, and meditate on in this passage here, 
Uh, if we started with them without the love of God, they would be uh, impossible to attain, for one, but where would be the motivation? Where would be the power? If we, if we preach just about sin and, and how there's sin and righteousness and, and one is not the other and, and, and we ought to do one and not the other. If we talked about, yeah, we ought to love each other and, and, and care for each other and, and, and do good things for each other. If we didn't first talk about the love of God, the, the love that he's bestowed upon us, he's poured out on us, it would, be a, it would be a pointless task. It would be a fruitless task. And sadly, we approach things that way too many times. We focus on righteousness of itself or doing good works of itself without first realizing the love that has been bestowed upon us and that that's what fuels us that's what motivates us then the the apostle moves into this sanctification as it were that that these two linked things that Understanding and believing in the love of God before we have done anything good of ourselves, before we've done any, anything right, anything that would please him, when we were his enemies, as it says elsewhere in this epistle, understanding that and believing that now starts a process of purification, of sanctification, salvation and sanctification. And the dilemma often happens when these two things get split apart, when when. when they are going to be pursued separately or one neglected. So we can take the salvation part. Yes, I'm saved, but we don't want to pursue that sanctification part. We don't want to have that hope which leads us on into purification, into becoming like him. And that seems to be the, the great error of, uh, of nominal Christendom this day, th these days, the, the easy believism as, as it's been referred to in past generations. And really, if there is not fruit of that purification, of that sanctification, of, of that difference, that stark difference between righteousness and sin in our lives, I don't think there's evidence that, that there's really an understanding and a belief and a trust in God's love, his, his saving love. They cannot be separated, those two things. And likewise, we cannot pursue the other one. We cannot pursue sanctification and, and being right in God's sight and, and doing things that please him without being saved in the sense of believing in his love and understanding what he did for us as complete enemies and opposed to him. So I think that's how the, the, the apostle leads now into this passage about sin and righteousness, the stark difference between the two. And some people, maybe they'll read a sentence from here and um, misinterpret it or run with it and, and think, um, you know, if... You're, if you are born of God, there is never uh, any chance that you will sin. I don't think that's the case if you read the, the, the epistle. But likewise, he that is of God, that abides in him, that lives in him, he cannot sin. That's not of God. That's not of his nature. We cannot say that we're doing unrighteous things and things that are wrong, and then at the same time say, uh, this is part of my uh, attributes as a, as a child of God. When that happens... And it does happen in the life of a believer. If we're realistic, when sin happens, we need to recognize it for what it is and flee it, turn from it. But I think what this passage is, the stark difference that it's highlighting here, in the, I've, I don't know Greek, I don't know the, the, all the grammar and everything, but based on what I've read from others, this 
use of the word sinneth here and the description verse, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, describes a, a, a life, a pattern, who chooses, who goes on sinning. The one that is in bondage versus not in bondage. The one who does not have that victory over sin, who does not know where that victory is, who has not experienced it, not just a one-time thing, but an ongoing thing in his life as he brings his sin to the foot of the cross, to his Savior, to be cleansed again, to be purified, to be set right, to be given that power that comes from him. I've heard it said that perhaps the, the more important question is not, do you sin or not, but what do you do when you sin? We heard last night, uh, those that tuned into the Mansfield Inspiration Hour, the importance of confession. When we sin, what happens? Do we cover it up? Do we neglect? Do we, do we move on, as it were, and say, well, I'll do it better next time? Or is there a confession? Is there repentance? Is there, is there a, a turning to the one who we know saved us from our sins? And who has been manifested, has been, actually came into this world to destroy sin, to destroy it in our lives, here and now. Its presence, its power, the penalty of it. That's the, that, that what I read in this passage here. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. If you are locked in that bondage to sin, in that, um, that inescapable, seems to you, the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer, the, the delivery, the victory over that is Jesus Christ. I remember that thought process in myself too as I, as I grappled with that as an unconverted person thinking I don't really want a part of this gospel if there isn't actual deliverance from that and thank the Lord I experienced it but I also experienced that departure again that turning from this love that was bestowed upon me and then experience again yes there is bondage again and so the answer always is to turn back to Jesus Christ, to turn back to his love that he's bestowed upon us, to believe it, to confess it, to confess our sin, and to be restored, to be healed. There's a, there is a, a element of deception, <laughs> I mean element, it's, it's the very nature of sin. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. Let's not call sin anything other than it is. It needs to be called by the name it is. And when, it, when we do it, we need to acknowledge it. Not say, if I've offended anyone or if I've made mistakes here and there. It needs to be called for what it is. And I, for one, need to have that a more a zealous attitude towards that in my own life. Not an, uh, making him an excuses of a covering up well this doesn't matter too much it's not of God he that is born of God does not commit sin he doesn't go on he doesn't keep doing that he doesn't stay in that pattern of life and this actually comes out it's manifested it can be seen here and now in the world in the children of God and the children of the devil in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. That's the, the third part we get into. 
This is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. The example given here is of Cain, and they both started from one set of parents from Adam and Eve. They both had that same upbringing. They both understood what God required of them, and yet one, as you can read it in Genesis, followed a path, a pattern, away from God, and it completely, completely meshes with the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus preaching about you've committed murder in your heart because that's what had already happened to Cain as he went along that path till eventually he slew his brother. That neglecting of God, that neglecting of his word and of what, he'd require, what he requires of us, of doing things my own way, that was the path that he followed. And, and we're all warned of that too. I think we read this, these passages here about loving your brother and think, well, I don't hate my brother. I don't... Um, I don't uh, wish evil on him, but do you maybe wish him gone? Do you wish him, you know, as good as dead in the sense of out of my life and not causing me trouble? Or, or it would be so much easier if he would just go away? You know, that's a kind of a, a form of murder in your own heart. It's definitely not love, and that's what we're called to here. Love is also not a... Um, of a set of nice ideals that are nice in theory and then doesn't do anything in, in real life. Yeah, well, I love the brotherhood. Are you around? Do you care? Do you, are you involved with each? I say that to myself. Because that's not love either. Just this kind of theoretical, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with everyone. We all get along. Would, would that be called love if it was what, um, how I treated my kids or my wife? No involvement, uh, care for each other, displayed in actual actions and in things that, that, that matter to each other. That's the, the love that's being talked about here. That's the love, that's the evidence that we have passed from death unto life. And the world doesn't understand this. It doesn't uh, really want a part of it because it's inconvenient. It's uh, messy in some ways. Uh, it does not fit with the the picture that everyone, the image that everyone has of what life should be and how it's, it's e there, there's no pain and suffering, we can just push everything off. No, this love is mixed in with all of that. And when life gets too comfortable and I get too focused on myself, too focused on my plans, as we've heard, then uh, I'm not partaking of the love of God. I'm not really reveling and bestowing, um, enjoying the love that God has bestowed upon me. Because, this verse 16 here, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. You know, we could know a lot about God from this creation and from what he has made, his wisdom, his power, his might, his, his uh, eternal characteristics, but from this world around us, looking around us, we would know nothing really of his love, the depth of his love. It's only in that love that was bestowed upon us in Christ Jesus that we really see who God is, the fullness of his characteristic of his. Here, this is how we perceive the love of God. And understanding that and believing that now, 
How do we respond to that? I've always read verse 16. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren as this kind of, you know, I should be willing to die for my brother and sister. And while that may be true, I think before I ever get to that point, (laughs) there's got to be a lot more laying down of my life for my brother and sister. A lot more of me choosing the other first before myself. A lot more of saying, well, my life, the things that I think are important to me, I'm going to put a backseat to them. Um, I'm going to put my brother and sister first. And then maybe one day it'll get to that point of... But here and now there's a practical, practical test. Whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need. So first of all, you have good? Do you have something that you've been given materially? This world's good? Temporary things, but you have them in store? Do you know whether your brother and sister have need? Uh, That's even a test in and of itself. Do I know the needs of my brothers and sisters? But knowing that, now you have a decision. Are you going to shut up your bowels of compassion from the one who has need? Or are you going to actually love in deed and in truth? There's a practical test of my love for my brother and my sister, my love for all of the children of God. Um, Not just preference, who I would like to choose, who is easier to get along with. You know, because in doing that, there is such an assurance. Not a, a pat in the back, I did some good things, I did the right things, but an assurance that the love of God is flowing through me. The Bible class uh, um, yesterday, one of the sisters shared that, 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 um, that desire to evangelize, which we often don't have. We're, we're afraid, we, we're, um, we think it's not going to work, and why go through the effort? She said, someone told her, it's like a roller coaster. You have that fear initially of the experience of what's going to happen, but then you get on it, and oh, it was so much fun. And maybe that's a poor analogy. But I think as we uh, display and act and, and perform those acts of, of love, not only to a brother and sister, but to the lost, and feel the love of God flow through us and, and, uh, and motivate us and, and, and uh, just fuel us, that is such an assurance. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And I often think, you know, when I'm struggling with things and and thinking, well, my spiritual life is not going the way it should and um, where where are the new spiritual insights, etc. Maybe it has to to start here, just with the simple things of loving in deed and in truth. The wonderful thing is that God is, is greater than even my perception of myself and my assessment or, or the way my heart feels. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. And that is such a great baseline to come back to, too, that the love that has been poured out in Christ Jesus, that, that's enough to restore everything, to heal everything, to, to, to set right everything in my heart, in my mind, in my life. 
that is going to be my glory. That's going to be the thing that, that sustains and fuels me, the love that, that he has bestowed upon me through Christ Jesus so that I can get to a place of my heart not condemning me and having confidence toward God's. And, and, and when I pray, my, my prayer is being answered because I'm doing his will. I'm doing the things that please him. That's the only way back. That's the only way to that place of, of, of contentment and, and of true joy in him. That's his vision for us. I have to admit, I have to confess, I didn't tune into a lot of the things this week. I, I thought I was too busy with different projects, with whatever it was we were doing. Got to get this done or got to get that done. And now looking back at this week, I think I missed out on a lot of the blessing of um, the Spirit of God convicting me and encouraging me through other brothers and sisters. And I, th I don't know all of what was said or what was shared about the vision that God has for us, but I have to think it's, it's all here in this chapter. It's all here in these simple reminders. His vision for us to, to, to live in his love and to, to live righteously as a result of that, to be changed, to be, to, to be purified and cleansed as we hope on him, to have a vision for, for more love and care for each other. To, to put behind us the, the indifference or the coldness or even the hurt or, or, or slighted feelings. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And that is the life in the spirit. That's the, the conclusion of this chapter. He that abideth, keepeth his commandments, dwelleth in him and he in him, and then this is the life in the spirit believing in that love that he's bestowed on us as a result of that being, being um, not wanting to have anything to do with sin or with the works of the devil. And not only that, pouring out um, that love on others. It's a simple word this morning. I'm I don't think the Lord has laid anything else in my heart to share with you, but it has restored me. It's encouraged me just meditating on this. I hope it does the same for you. The song we sang, beautiful, and always reminds me of our dear brother Gaber for whom it was a favorite song he often chose. Love's power. He spoke to him, that was often a theme, the love of God that he liked to speak of. The passage we read, I probably shared this with you before, I hope I'm not becoming one of those older people that keep telling the same stories, but uh, I can't read this passage without remembering when I was young and, I don't know, I guess in, uh, young in the faith, Alan and I went to visit dear sister Alona um, uh, Rotz. And, uh, you know, here we thought we were doing something for the Lord. But we left there with much greater blessing than we thought we would bring. 
We thought, let's, you know, let's open the word together. And Sister Lauren had a very hard life. Um, her husband was a very hard man. But even so, he knew that there was a source to her sweetness and her love. And so he made her a little stand for her Bible. And she had that out. And she, we opened to this passage. And she didn't get beyond the third verse, and she stopped, and that was enough for her already. The amazement at how much God loves us, and the implication, every man that hath this hope, purify himself even as he is pure. There was an application for her there, that's where she stopped, and you know, as a young man, it left an impression that still with me to this day, the challenge. We're going through unprecedented times. The Lord's coming is nearer than we first believed. He will appear. Are we ready and are we pure? Now, now why is this passage about purity, about, you know, the bill that because of the Lord in us, we are able to overcome sin, not live in sin, is the same passage on love. Well, if you think about it, what did Jesus say? All of sin, all transgression of the law is a transgression of two principles. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we have that fount of love inside of us, it will change our motives and we'll be able to love pure and we'll be ready and we'll have that confidence when he comes through the skies or when we go through the skies to him. Do I have that love in my heart? Do you have it in yours? I remember it was not something I did and that's why I could have confidence because God changed me. I need to be careful that I don't, through convenience, cover up and abandon that fount of love. But that power, that power we have seen with our eyes, we've seen in our brothers and sisters, that power to love as Jesus loves is here today and is what sets us apart from a world that speaks words, but their actions contradict them. We don't have to have fancy words, but is there love here in my heart? Brother shared with me a, in an article just this morning or was it yesterday about, you know, even things we do for God, even things we do for the church, even things we do that are, you know, good works can be dead works. They're not motivated by heart of love. Let's challenge ourselves this morning to make sure we, we keep those waters, that fountain, that, the connection. The love of God doesn't fail. We hear the love of God is sufficient. doesn't matter how far you've fallen. The love of God is sufficient. No matter what challenging circumstances, how difficult the people are, the, the difficult the circumstances, God's love is sufficient, but it's my connection. And that's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. Let's allow God's love to flow through us. It may be 
scary, the things he asks us to do in love, but his power is sufficient. Let's allow him to do that and be glorified in and through us. With that, we'll conclude this morning's service.